what, what, a, what a great blessing that is. Um, I just want to tell you again, from our family, we just want to say thank you for opening up your arms and making us feel so welcome. And it, we feel so honored that we get to come and serve you. I firmly believe with this scripture that Jesus said, he did not come to be served, but to serve. And I want you to know, it's, it is my prayer, it's my heart's desire that we're just going to be able to come alongside of you and serve you and minister to you and love you much. So I just want to tell you, thank you. It's what a great week, Tuesday morning. Man, I had the privilege of teaching the men's prayer breakfast, 6.30 Tuesday morning. We had a great time. We studied the book of James. We looked at the book of James that the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And that means that we should be stretched out spiritually before the Lord. It's kind of like when you're finishing a relay, when those guys come to the end, they stretch out because they want to win the race. Well, when you and I pray, we want to be stretched out we want to pour our heart out to God as raw as it is and place everything before the Lord. So, uh, man, that was Tuesday morning. What a great time of prayer with those guys. Uh, Wednesday night. Man, if you don't have a place to be on Wednesday night, you need to be in the D building and prayer meeting. I'm telling you, don't be at home on Wednesday night. Come and join us, uh, be in the D building on Wednesday night. Man, on Wednesday night I preached from the Gospel of John, and we looked at the whole Gospel of John is summarized in two verses of Scripture, and where John says these things are written that we might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And man, what a great crowd Wednesday night, and what a great joy it was. So if you don't have a place to be on Wednesday night, man, Wednesday nights, either be in the choir practicing, uh, be in the children's area helping, or be in the student ministry helping, or be in prayer meeting. We have a great, great time in there. But you know, also, I'm looking forward to breakout camp this week. Uh, I'm going to go a couple of days to break camp, camp this week, and I, I'm looking forward to hanging out with our students. I'm looking forward to getting to meet them, know them in a very personal way, and our college guys, but make sure you've got your bracelet and be praying for those students because, man, we're going to have a great time. All right, take out your Bibles each week. Bring a Bible with you, whether it's the hard copy or electronic version. I mean, the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. Do we agree with that? All right, there's only one God, and that's the God of this Bible. There are not many gods, there's no substitutes, there is only one God, and that is the God of this Bible, and there is only one salvation, and that salvation is through Jesus Christ, right? No other way. So each week, this is going to be our textbook, this is our guide, so bring your Bible with you. Always bring something to write with. Uh, Adrian Rogers would always say this. Adrian Rogers would always say, the weakest pencil is stronger than the strongest mind. So each week when, uh, as we're looking at God's Word, bring something to write down, mark it out, because if you're like me, sometimes we forget. Do you ever forget anything? And sometimes when we forget, we need to go back and write those things down. All right, turn with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In just a couple minutes, we're going to begin in verse number 7. Incredible text of Scripture. 
And in this text of Scripture, man, I'm just been praying all week that God will just speak it deep into our hearts and our life. But um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 7 in a moment. But as you're turning there, do you remember Y2K? Uh, some of our guys are way too young in this room. They weren't even born when that happened. But remember when we were going to turn over the clock and hit the year 2000, what was supposed to happen? All the computers are going to crash. All the electronic grid was going to crash. I mean, they thought the world was going to come to the end at the moment we hit the year 2000. So, how many of you, hey, we're family. <laughs> Confession's good for the soul, right? I mean, how many of you were prepared? I mean, how many of you stocked up? I mean, I had some friends, they were stocked up. They were prepared for the next six months. They didn't need to go to the grocery store. I mean, they were ready. Y2K happened. What happened? Nothing. But 18 years ago, something was happening. 18 years ago, the world might not have ended. The electronic grid might not have stopped. But 18 years ago, this body of believers made a decision by faith. Eighteen years ago, this body of believers said, we love our community and we love our community well, and we're going to take a gigantic step of faith. Eighteen years ago, everybody might have been paying attention what was going to change in our world. But 18 years ago, y'all made a big decision to purchase over 230 acres of land. 18 years ago. It kind of reminds me in the Bible, the story of Elijah. Remember the Elijah, the great prophet of God? Remember the Elijah that was on the mountain? And remember uh, against the prophets of Baal. And remember they all, he said, do your thing, do your thing. You remember, and remember Elijah kind of mocked him. Hey, is your God on vacation? Is your God taking a nap? And remember then God's man, the prophet of God, as he cried out upon God with all the water on it and all that. Remember, fire came down from heaven and consumed everything. Well, from Elijah to Elisha, one day Elijah went on to the farm where Elisha was and went and put that mantle on him and said, you're the one. Elisha, you know what he did is he was on the farm. He slaughtered all of his animals and he left all behind to become the next man. For the next 18 years... There's only one verse of Scripture, what Elisha did for Elijah for 18 years. And it says, Elisha poured water. For 18 years, for the prophet of God, Elijah, Elisha 
poured water. 18 years, that's all that is said. Until the baton, the mantle was passed to Elisha. But for 18 years, he was faithfully pouring water, waiting for the moment that God had for him. First Baptist, these 18 years have not been a wasted 18 years. These 18 years, you've been able to watch literally hundreds of people get saved. But now, it's the time for moving from pouring water to taking the step of faith. I told you last Sunday morning that we received the very final permit in order to begin construction. This week I met two different times with the construction company and we are ready to break ground. Everything is ready. As a matter of fact, the survey was done this past week, wasn't it, Jamin? Tuesday, the silk fence goes up where all the buildings are going to be. So here's how we're going to celebrate. I believe one way, one thing the church sometimes struggles with is celebrating what God's doing. So here's what we're going to do to celebrate the groundbreaking. Our groundbreaking service is going to be Easter Sunday morning. So we are going to celebrate as one church Easter Sunday morning. We are going to bring both campuses together, and on Easter Sunday morning at 10 o'clock on the new church campus, we're going to go have Easter. And we're going to break ground and we're going to say, our Jesus Christ is alive. He transforms. And we are breaking ground that we're going to see thousands of lives transformed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you don't want to miss it. Easter Sunday. Have y'all ever done a groundbreaking on Easter Sunday? I know I haven't. I've done a bunch of groundbreakings over the year, but never Easter. It will be an Easter of 2018 we will never forget. We're going to say, as one church together, Jesus Christ is Lord, and we're here to drive that stake in the ground that we want to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Are you with me? All right, let's do this thing. What's the key? Brokenness. If you study every great awakening and every great revival, they begin with brokenness. I don't know about you, but as a kid, I used to go, love to go to a pond and go and skip rocks to see how many times I could skip a rock. When it comes to seeing a great move of God that we all want to see, we cannot skip the step of brokenness. You don't go from just the blessings of God to the blessings of God without going through brokenness. The one quality that God so blesses is the quality of brokenness. If anybody understood what it 
meant to be broken, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, if you study the Apostle Paul's life, we know his name was Saul, and we know that Saul absolutely hated the way. Saul absolutely hated Christians. We know that Saul was on the road. And he was on the road, he had the letters in one hand, and he was going to see, how many Christians can I kill? As a matter of fact, we know the very first time that we see Saul, Paul, in the Scripture, we see the very first time, we see at the moment that he is holding the coats of the ones that are throwing rocks and they're stoning Stephen. I think one of the most incredible moments in Scripture, as Saul is holding the coats as they were killing Stephen, remember it says about Stephen's face that Stephen's face appeared like an angel. But I think one of the most incredible moments happened as Stephen was being killed for the faith as Paul, Saul, is holding the coats. How did Jesus respond? Remember what Jesus did? His, Stephen's face has appeared as an angel as they're killing him. Jesus stood up. Jesus on the right-hand side of the Father, and the Scripture says, as he is being killed, Jesus stood up. Here's Saul holding a jacket, watching him being killed, now he's on the road. He's got the letters in his hand. And all of a sudden, he meets Jesus. And when he met Jesus, total and complete brokenness. I mean, if anybody had a resume of resume, Saul had the resume of resume. He was a Hebrew of a Hebrew. I mean, he was a scholar, part of the same thing. If you wanted to have the resume, Saul had it. God brought him to a point of brokenness. A point of brokenness, he realized that his life, his body is just like an earthen vessel. What's important about the earthen vessel is the treasure that is inside of it. Look at the text of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's begin... In verse number 7, you're going to notice a couple of key things. But we have this treasure. What is the treasure? Well, you got to read verse number 6 in order to understand the treasure. But we have this treasure. Mark those words in verse number 7, this treasure. How many of you would say you're a Christ follower of Jesus? Are you a Christ follower of Jesus? If you are a Christ follower of Jesus, you have this treasure. What is the treasure within this earthen vessel? The presence of God. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of you and the very presence of God lives inside of you. Our body is the temple of the living God. So look at me, my family. 
If you are a Christ follower, the very presence of a holy, righteous, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God lives inside of you. I mean, when you got up out of bed this morning, God was in you. When you're going to bed tonight, God is in you. When you're having lunch this afternoon, God is in you. Wow. Sometimes, some of us have been around church so long, we have forgotten the very God who said, let there be light is the light in you. We have this treasure. I don't know about you, but could you have a greater treasure than the presence of God living inside of you? I mean, God lives in you. It's the very presence where the Scripture says He made all things new. Here's your earthen vessel, this little clay, little jar, pot that I, man, this is near dear me. One of my friends at the Indian Reservation that we've done missions forever made this for me. I've got her name at the bottom of it. But our body, nothing special. Last time I checked, my body's falling apart. Is yours? Last time I checked, my body can get some migraine headaches. What about you? Last time I checked, when I get up in the morning, my knees hurt a little bit more. Amen, brother. Remember I said confession is good for the soul. You know what else it tells us? The Bible calls our body a tent. Sometimes it feels like the hurricane of this world blows our tent over. I I tell you, it's a joy, and I didn't introduce my mom earlier. It's a joy. My mom's here with me this morning. And, uh, man, it's a joy to have her with us. My mom grew up a Georgia peach like Amy did, but her family, they loved to camp out. She married my dad from Cincinnati, a Buckeye, you know? And uh, remember Buckeyes, what's the value of a Buckeye? It's a hairless nut with little or no commercial value. (laughs) Really, look it up. But my mom always wanted to go camping, so one year my dad said, all right, let's go camping. So we went to Cage Cove, we put up a tent, and Charlie, you know what it did the entire week we were there? It rained the entire week. And you know what? After a while, you know, a tent is not the most waterproof in the world, and the very first drop fell out of that tent right on my dad's head. Can I tell you? What's precious about us is not this clay pot. This clay pot's falling apart. What's precious is what's inside of it is the presence of God. And look at me. 
And if we want the presence of God to burst through this clay pot, this clay pot's got to be broken. As long as we hold on to it, as long as we say, man, I have arrived, look what I have done. We will never see a great move of God, First Baptist. We will never see God do the suddenly abundantly more than we ever thought until we allow God to break this pot and let the presence and the power of God resonate through us. Why do we have such a great treasure inside of it that we don't want to show it? It's kind of like all those years ago when I asked Amy to marry me, you know, when I got the diamond ring. The diamond ring came within a box. The diamond's in the box. When I, when I gave it to Amy, I did not give her the box. Yes. I did not give Amy the box. I gave her what's inside the box. Track this for us. What Daytona and Volusia County needs is not the box. They need what's on the inside the box. Too many times we're trying to give a community the box, but what they need is the presence of a holy, righteous God who is the great I am, who's the good shepherd, the, the door, the way, the truth. They don't need the box. Praise God they don't need the box. Look at us. They need the treasure. Within the box. Let's read it. Does this scripture come alive? Do you see it now? But we have this treasure. This treasure, the presence and the power of God. In earthen vessels, our body. Here's a reason why. Look at this scripture. This is powerful. And I'm... God, let this resonate in us. That the excellence of the power may be of God. Let the treasure, the presence of God that is in this earthly vessel, this tent that is falling apart, let it be the power of God. How does this verse end? And what? Not of us. God, forgive us when we want to make it about us and not his power. Oh, God, bring a brokenness to this earthly vessel so what's eternal and will last forever will shine through the brightest. Does that mean this treasure of the presence of God that's in us bursting through, does that mean it's going to be easy? Wrong. Look at the very next verse. Look at verse 8 and verse number 9. In verse 8 and verse number 9, Look how Paul is just being so real. Paul is just being raw. He is, he is just, 
laying it out there. We know that Paul was shipwrecked. We know he was left for dead. We know he was beaten. We know that he was left for dead. Everybody look at me. Less care more about the treasure that's inside of us than the container that holds it. Look what Paul says. Get these words. Just mark them. We are hard-pressed on every side. My first thought when I thought about that, just forgive me, my mind went to Star Wars to the scene where, and they're in the trash compactor, the garbage scene, you know, they're in there. And y'all know the scene I'm talking about? And it's coming in, and it's coming in, and it's coming in, coming, coming, come in. Let me tell you, there's going to be moments in your life you're hard-pressed. There's going to be moments in life you feel like the walls are collapsing in. Say, Pastor, why I'm a Christ for? Here is Paul. Wouldn't you say Paul's the greatest missionary that ever lived? And what's what's he say? I am hard pressed. Oh, but look at this. But yet, what? Not crushed. I'm hard pressed. You might be pressing on this earthly vessel in every way, but I've got the presence of God in me. You might press my body. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Look at the next word of this. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. Have you ever that moment? You're perplexed, but not in despair. You might be perplexed of what's happening to your earthly vessel. Don't be depressed. Perplexed instead. Remember what's on the inside. Look at verse number eight. Persecuted. Then it tells us in the Beatitudes, blessed are those that are persecuted. Could you imagine the honor you think it would be that if we really stood up enough for Jesus, we were really persecuted? Persecuted, but not forsaken. First Baptist family, look right here at me. Will God ever forsake you? Will God ever leave you? Then we got to start living that way. We got to start, stop living thinking that God's going to abandon us alone. God is not going to abandon us. We have a treasure. We have the Holy Spirit. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Look at verse 10 and 11. What are they always about? Always caring about in the body. The dying of our Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus. Mark those words, life of Jesus. You're going to see in verse 10 and verse 11, the life of Jesus. 
We pray that we will deny ourselves. We pray that we will completely die to ourselves. So then the life of Jesus will shine through our brokenness. Always caring about in the body of the dying in the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Look at verse 11. You're going to see, and the life of Jesus. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Lord, let the life of Jesus, that who he is, let it be in us so the life of Jesus will happen. How does that happen? Brokenness. I want you to write these four things down about brokenness. Why do we got, have to understand brokenness? Our clay pot and our self-centeredness has to be broken so God can shine through. Let me give you these four things. Write these four things down. Number one, we must be broken in order to be usable. If we are going to be used by God, we must be broken. Sometimes I think that we are not more usable by God because we have not been broken enough. If we're going to be used by God, we must be broken. Let's take that stallion of that horse. Let's take a horse. A horse is so powerful and strong, but it's not any good to us until it's broken. Look at me. We're not usable until we're broken. You might say, Pastor Eric, I don't know about that. Let me, let me read you a list just real quick. Are you ready? Abraham, broken through offering of Isaac. Jacob, Jacob was marked. By his hilt, he was broken in the wrestling match before God. Joseph, broken through the murder, I mean, Joseph, broken through slavery and imprisonment. Moses, broken through the murder and 40 years on the backside of the desert. David, broken through sin and his consequences. Jonah, broken in the belly of a fish. Isaiah, broken in the temple in the all-consuming presence of God. Hosea, broken through the unfaithfulness of the wife of Gomer. Samson was broken through slavery, blindness, humiliation. Ruth was broken through death. Esther was broken through the plot to ethnic cleanse and slaughter all the Jews. Nehemiah was broken by seeing the destruction of the walls. John the Baptist was so broken that said, I must decrease, he must increase. Peter was broken by the crowing of a rooster. Paul was broken by the incredible light of Christ. Can I tell you, if you want to be used by God, you've got to be broken. Number one, usable, you've got to be broken. Number two, write this down. Every Christ follower will experience brokenness. Every Christ follower will experience brokenness. 
If the presence that lives inside of this earthly jar, if the power and the presence of God is going to radiate through it, every one of us will experience brokenness. As a matter of fact, we should live every day in the spirit of brokenness. Two things that bring brokenness. Sin brings brokenness, and seeing our Savior for who He is brings brokenness. My mind goes to Mark chapter 14. Remember uh, Mary of Bethany who had that incredible ointment? And what did she do? She went and what? Broke it. After she broke it, she anointed Jesus. Can I tell you, allow God to bring brokenness. If you're going to be used by God, you will be broken. Number two, all of us as Christians will face brokenness so you don't have to go and question God. God, why are you doing this to me? You know what God's doing? God is ripping out of your soul everything that doesn't belong to him. God brings brokenness in order to rip out of us everything that doesn't belong to him. Is it painful? Yes. Third word, write this down. We all need to understand brokenness so we know how to pray for other people. We all need to understand brokenness so we know how to pray for other people. Here's the reason I say that. Many times I think we pray the wrong thing for other people. We need to start praying that their physical issue, that their emotional issue, their spiritual issue will bring them to a place of brokenness that they will trust and surrender their heart to Christ. We need to pray somebody's going to have a knee replacement surgery. Let's start praying for that knee replacement, but let's pray eternally for the way of glory to bring brokenness in their life through a knee replacement. Let's pray that that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter that is away from God, God, bring a brokenness in their heart. Don't don't pray the pain away, but pray that they will embrace the pain and the pain will take them to the feet of Jesus. What we want to do all the time in our prayer life, we want to rescue everybody from these things and it might be the very thing that God's got them in so that they will be broken, that they will get on their knees and see God. So quit. Praying those things away and start praying that those things will not be wasted but be used to move them to a closer relationship with God. Why? Look at me. This earthly vessel is not what we're concerned about. We're concerned about the treasure that is inside. Number four, and I'm done. Brokenness is God's way to spiritual growth. Brokenness is God's way to spiritual growth. The greatest spiritual growth times of my life is not when it's easy. 
but when I'm broken. I want you to turn a couple pages over in your scripture. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 8 and 9, and I'm done. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 8 and 9. Brokenness brings spiritual growth. So don't avoid it, don't get angry, don't run from it, but instead embrace the brokenness to spiritually grow. You're going to see in this incredible text of Scripture in verse 8 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul again is saying, hey, the pressure I'm dealing with is so great you can't even measure it. We even feel like we had the sentence of death upon us, but look what it brought them to. Two. Verse number eight. Here we go. For we do not want you to be ignorant. One day we'll do a study on those terms. For we do not want you to be ignorant. We got to know this. Of the trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. I don't know about you, but it says something when the greatest missionary ever that lived, when he says, man, I was burdened beyond measure. Notice the second thing it says. No, I'm burning beyond measure and above my strength. So that we even despaired even of life. Look at verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. Here's what brokenness does. Brokenness tells us that we are burdened above measure. Brokenness tells us that is above our strength. Brokenness tells us that we despaired even our life. Brokenness tells us that we should not trust in ourselves. Look at the end of verse number nine. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in the God who raises the what? The dead. You know what brokenness does in our life? Brokenness moves us to the place that we will stop trusting in ourselves and we will trust in the God who can raise the dead. Until we're broken, we're going to trust in ourselves. But when we become broken... Our trust goes to the God who can raise the dead. Here's your earthly vessel. What matters is his treasure on the inside. The presence of God. In order for that to come out, we have to be broken. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray across this room that each and every one of us will know how precious it is that our our earthly vessel can have the treasure of the presence of God. God, bring us to the place that Paul said that we will not trust in ourselves. 
God, I pray over us as First Baptist. God, I pray that we will not trust in ourselves, but instead we will trust in the God who can raise the dead. God, we know every great awakening, every great revival, every great move of God began with your people being broken. Lord, bring a brokenness to us as a people. That we will know that the presence of God lives inside of us. God, if we're going to be usable, we're going to be broken. God, bring a brokenness. Right now, as every head is bowed, every eyes closed, no one's looking around. It's not about the earthly vessel, but it's about the treasure, the presence of God inside. Today, will you embrace the brokenness of Christ that you will not trust in yourselves, but you will trust in the God who can raise the dead? Stop leaning on your understanding and trust Him. In just a moment, we're going to stand to our feet, and I'm going to invite you to Christ. If you have never trusted Jesus, you've never been saved, never set free. I mean, the moment we stand, the pastors are down front. You come and say, you know what, I need Jesus. Maybe you've been visiting with us, and you know, this is where your church home's to be. Why don't you come and join today? But for many of us, we need to pray, God, bring a brokenness that will move me to the end of myself so I will love, I will trust, and I will submit to you. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, move in this room. Let only your spirit have freedom in this place. God, may your spirit bind every other spirit except your spirit to work and move in us. God, bring us to a place of complete and total dependence upon you. In Christ's name.